Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing our summer series called Stories of Jesus, looking at the parables and who better to do it with than two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by lead pastor Jose Abaroa. Jose, Good welcome morning, back. Good morning, Taylor. Good to be back. Good, Good to, be to here. have you back. And we're joined by pastor of spiritual formation, the one, the only, Bob Moss. Bob, thanks for being back on the podcast. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's great. Jose, you kind of shared a little bit on Sunday as far as the inspiration behind the parable, the connection to your trip. We'd love for you just to have a little more space to expound on that as we kick off this Yes, episode. I've had some more sleep since then, so I'm not as jet-lagged as I was on Sunday, but uh, it was interesting. I was praying and looking at the scriptures and asking God, what do you want me to speak on? And so I was hoping for a lob or something nice and easy. Really, there's no such thing as something that's easy because all scripture convicts us. But uh, I wasn't expecting this parable, the parable of the rich fool, which really speaks to how we handle our possessions, more so our posture towards our possessions. But it was really fitting given that we're just leaving um, this place of ministry in, in Uganda where we got to see a tremendous need, a tremendous need in, in the way that people live, uh, and then transitioning back to our, our lives here. Here. And uh, the bottom line is that the joy of the Lord is our common denominator. And so it was so rich to speak that language with them and celebrate what God is doing. And, and that joy exceeds any joy that uh, money can buy or any possession will bring us. Uh, but in this case, Jesus is warning us to guard our hearts against greed and uh, the desire for more possessions. So that's, yeah, that's, that's why I chose this yep, parable. Yep, this parable looking at Luke 12. Bob, would love to ask you, I know I've enjoyed through this series each parable. Often I've read them before or read through them, and yet God chooses to highlight something new out of each one. So did anything stand out to you just from this parable from Sunday and just in your time in the Word? Well, the thing that stood out to me Sunday was the three concentric circles mm -hmm. that he put up there at the beginning. I thought that was really powerful, very insightful, and it helped to uh, set the stage for that parable. Uh, I've read that parable numerous times, and um, I understand. You know, this—that's the way. That's the world we live in. Yeah, yeah. No matter where we live, really. And so the idea that we all live in the comfort zone, and some of us uh, do live in the panic zone. You know, because of something terrible that's happened. Real quick, happened. explain the circles. I'm sure people listening already remember. Right. This, so the inner circle is the comfort zone, and that's really where we 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 try to preserve our life in a way that keeps us in a comfortable place, uh, a nice house, uh, not no bad things, but too too many things that we're controlling, and gives us this, I think, false sense of comfort, where really our comfort comes from the Lord. Amen. And so he he gives us the comfort that we need no matter what our life situation looks like, no matter how much money we make on an annual basis. And uh, so then that's the inner circle. The outer circle is the panic zone. And that happens when something unforeseen or we live in a volatile environment that then, you know, makes us run towards shelter. And then the middle is the growth zone. So in between the comfort zone and the panic zone, there is this growth zone, which is where I believe God really uh, pushes us to live as his disciples, not too comfortable, but also not in the panic zone. We're growing, growing how we're growing to become more like Jesus. 
I'll say something you said just a second ago was this idea of posture and the posture we have towards our wealth, that that really is what separates uh, a rich fool from a wise steward. We can kind of unpack uh, different points as you kind of uh, expounded on six that are just in this passage here. But let's just start with the significance of the posture. How would someone be able to just practically identify what their posture even is towards their wealth and in their possessions? And then what are maybe some first steps to kind of um, move towards a healthy Healthy posture. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question, Taylor. The parable starts with this man making a bunch of I statements. So this is an inner dialogue that he's having with himself, meaning that he is trying to preserve his life. He's trying to be in control of his life. He's only thinking about himself. He's very self-absorbed. And I think that we all need to be very honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, you know, it sounds counterintuitive because we're asking ourselves whether we're thinking about ourselves, which we are because we're asking ourselves anyway. Uh, I think that it requires of us, it requires us to ask the question, am I in control of my life or am I giving God the control of, of my life? Am I living closed-handed, you know, I'm clenching my fists, trying to hold on to everything, or am I living open-handedly knowing that God will ultimately provide? Another mentality that we've talked about uh, from a Sunday morning is just this idea of an abundance mentality right. versus a scarcity mentality. Bob, I feel like you just in general in all all areas of life really model this well as far as just That's having right. an abundant mindset. I'd love to hear your thoughts on just that particular piece and just what has helped you continue to maintain that. It's, it's one thing to feel it on a Sunday morning, but I've seen you carry this through regardless of life circumstances. So what are maybe some ways in which you've been able to just have that abundance mentality? Uh, I think, first of all, uh, that man that was in the parable was very subjective and very uh, looking at everything from inside out. And I, a couple months, uh, a couple weeks ago, Sean was talking and had a beautiful message, and he was talking about the importance of self-awareness. And the that's the secret right there, being aware of yourself, being able to see yourself from God's perspective mm. versus man's perspective, and realize that we have treasure in heaven. Our treasure is not down here. Now, if God blesses us and provides for us, and uh, the key to it all, and you read this scripture, I have learned the secret, Paul said, mm -hmm. of being content in, in any every and every situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I've mentioned this several times on the podcast. A friend of mine in community group brought this up a few, probably a year or two ago now, but just this question about contentment that asking just internally to challenge us to each ask, okay, if I'm not content now, when will I be? And usually just looking at what that answer is, whatever that, that fill in the blank, because I, I've done that exercise regularly in my mind because I'll be like, I'm not content. And then usually it's always because I'm waiting on someone else to do something or some circumstance to change. And so it really does come down to that, that perspective, that, that mindset that both of y'all had. I'd love to hear Jose, even just your thoughts on this too, as far as how does that permeate into all aspects of our life? In, in particular, we're looking at this passage here when it comes to our wealth and just this idea that all of this comes from God because our God is an abundant God that flows into every area of our life. In this particular area, how does this really begin to relate in this abundance mindset? Yeah, when you realize that it all comes from him, you you start thanking him for it versus saying, wow, I, I did 
pretty good in earning all of this money or acquiring all of this stuff. And again, it's not the stuff, it's the posture. It's not mm-hmm. the amount of money, it's the posture. And to your point, it's am I content or am I entitled? We didn't talk much about entitlement, but it is so tied into his mentality. The first question, this is, so the, the, the parable is based on a question that a man asked Jesus, and that man was saying, tell my brother to give me my inheritance. So he, he, he was entitled in his mind mm-hmm. to that inheritance. And when I think I deserve X, Y, and Z, that's what robs me from the contentment that God wants me to have, and that's an abundant mentality. We were in a meeting last year uh, about generosity, and the guy that was talking, I never heard this concept before, but flipping the question from how much of my money do I give to God, often that's that's how I've seen it before, okay? You're talking about the tithe, 10%, maybe going above and beyond, but flipping that to saying, how much of God's do I keep? And it was just like, just like yeah. mind-blowing. Such a simple, uh, almost very cliche, but just, and that really did rock my perspective just because it's like, you know, we can say, oh yeah, it's all God's, but then quickly when it comes to budgeting, quickly when it becomes just conversations, I can resort back to that idea of, okay, well, here's 10% or here's this extra. And so just that idea that all of it really does come come from him. One of the greatest men of the 20th, 20th century was R.G. Letourneau. And uh, he, he uh, lived on 10% and gave away 90%. <laughs> wow. Wow. He started out giving 10%, then 20, 30. He ended up giving away 90%. That's who Letourneau University is named yes, after? Right, right, out in Lufkin. Yeah. Wow. Or not Lufkin, um, out in okay. East Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a big university there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, one of the things here, I, I think some people can say, okay, I can get on board with giving and being generous when I've got a lot, you know, when the storehouses are plenty. And yet uh, Jesus goes on after just in this later in this passage in Luke 12, talking about worry and how these are really connected here. Uh, I think it's, again, it may be easy or easier to give when things are going great, but as soon as things start to get a little shaky, then that can be really difficult. So how have y'all seen worry tie into finances? Because we've talked about worry before, just in general and just fear, but, but how does that in particular, how have you seen that uh, infiltrate and impact uh, just our generosity? Well, I, if you're looking at it from God's perspective, you're giving out of obedience. You're not giving out of abundance or scarcity. Uh, the woman that gave the most was the little woman, yeah. the, the widow the woman widow. that gave two, just two pennies, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So l- learning to give out of obedience is the key because God is our provider. Mm-hmm. He's the one that is the source of all of the good things that come. And no matter what is happening to us, no matter what kind of trouble we're facing, no matter what kind of adversity, uh, God makes it all work together for good. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm scrolling down to Luke chapter 12 and Peter is asking Jesus, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or, or for all? 
And uh, he goes on to say, blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes, meaning um, giving and and serving him. Uh, Then he says, truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. He goes further down and, and says, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So there is a direct correlation here with obedience and with uh, a response to what God has given us. So Amen. really the big question goes with that first question that I, that, I, um, that, that I posed. Am I asking, what do I do? Or am I asking God, God, what, what do you want me to do with what mm. you've given me? It doesn't matter if it's big or small. Paul later on in Philippians, uh, Ephesians 4, just like you stated earlier, Bob, says it's not about how much. The secret is being uh, content in every circumstance by relying on That's God right. for strength Amen. and wisdom, not, oh, I have a good idea. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we're about God ideas. Mm-hmm. I uh, read a stat, I heard a stat a few weeks ago that said that uh, finances is the biggest cause of disagreements and uh, debates and fights within marriage. And I know a lot of these truths can be applied just regardless of life season, regardless of relationship status. And yet I do feel like when you're married, this is there's another component to all of this as far as generosity. I'd love to hear y'all thoughts just speaking to that as far as how either y'all have as a as a couple as far as within your with your spouse or even just uh how you would encourage couples to approach this topic in a way that brings about unity in the in the marriage well i'm blessed to have a wife that flows with the lord and i can remember occasion we were uh doing evangelistic work in colorado and uh we were we were in a terrible place financially. We were down to $100 in our checking account. And Linda and I sat in our hotel room, and we agreed together to write a check to a missionary for the $100 that we had in the checking account. And she was with me a 1,000%. And we wrote that check sent it off in the mail. It was the toughest thing we did because we had three boys with us. Wow. And that evening, a lady walked up to Linda and handed her a check for $1,000 out of the clear blue. We didn't. It it was just incredible. It it was a life-changing experience for us to be able to have that happen. So money, I can't say that money has never put stress on our marriage, but early on and in, in following the Lord, yeah. um, when we began to tithe, you know, I, that that was a joint venture. Mm-hmm. So, Amen, Bob. That story is amazing and proof that this is true. This is the word of God. He's our provider and he takes care of us. He yeah. wants us to do what he's asked us to do. Yeah. He wants us to follow him. I don't have a story like that, but I am also very grateful that both Taylor and I are on the same page when it comes to uh, how we give. And we've prayed about giving. And once we come to um, you know agreement and unity, it, we, we give out of obedience. And so there's other scriptures too that talk about you, you give without letting many people know you just do it. And in this case, he, he's 
more so than teaching us how to give, he's really guarding our hearts towards the enemy of giving, which is greed, mm-hmm. and making sure that we really protect our hearts from this thief that uh, wants to steal from you know the joy that is mm-hmm. being a part of what God's doing here on earth as we as we give give to Him. One of my favorite parts about this series we've been in a lot of these parables it comes down to a real simple truth that even if you've spent just a little time in church you kind of know okay I want to live generously or I want to live on mission or there's all these kind of things and yet the busyness of life distractions uh, worry fears insecurities trickle in and next thing you know it just kind of gets jumbled up with all the other messages that we're listening to. So how have the two of y'all been able to just to keep this at the forefront, just this concept of generosity, just this concept of living, knowing that we serve an abundant God that gives graciously. So how does that all factor in? Again, it's such a simple truth. And yet I think at least for me personally, something I can easily uh, either forget or, or resort back into the world's way of thinking. Well, for me, I have five rules that I live by, <laughs> and the third and yes. the fourth rule deal with this very thing. Uh, rule number four is I'm not attached to mm. anything in this world, and I'm open-handed with it. It's all God's. So that's my f- third rule. My fourth rule is don't be attracted to anything in the world, and that is eliminates a lot of distraction. And now if God, I'm open to be blessed, and God has truly blessed Linda Mm. and my family. But we are, we're we're living our lives as stewards. Amen. That's the key word right there, stewards. And the end of uh, the passage that we read on Sunday says, for where your treasure is, Amen. there will your heart be also. And this is key for us because it doesn't say where your heart is, there you will store your treasure. It says that where we invest, our heart will follow. Amen. And that's an important distinction to make with our human nature, our sinful flesh. We are prone to self-preservation and to store and to hoard and to say, mine, 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 mine. And what God is saying is, follow me. Watch the way that I take care of you and I bless you as you invest your treasure in the things that I've asked you to to, to invest. And there, your heart will be also. And in that is a heart transformation. My mind is changing. It's not fully there, but it is. it continues to change. And all of that is thanks to what, you know, God has done for us. His love, like you said, Taylor, is, is abundant. Thanks for listening to the Conversations podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.